Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to our Lifeboat Fellowship broadcast on this Palm Sunday morning. We're going to turn in the Word of God this morning to uh, Mark's Gospel and the chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and we're going to read from the first verse. Mark 11, and the verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and he saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Lose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and they found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they lose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, losing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees, and strewed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. We'll just end our reading there. We know the Lord will bless uh, the precious uh, word, the precious reading of his word to our hearts this morning. Let's bow perhaps in a wee word of prayer before we come to uh, looking at this portion of scripture this morning. Father, we just want to give you thanks this morning for who you are. We thank you, Father, that you sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. We thank you, Lord, for your love that you have for this wicked world at this time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for, Lord, today. Father, we want to give you thanks for just watching over us in the week that has gone by. And we pray, Lord, today for your continued protection upon our families. We pray, Lord, for the, your continued protection upon our doctors and our nurses, others that are providing essential services, even our elderly in our nursing homes. And Lord, we would pray with regards to this virus that you will be pleased to lift this virus when it has accomplished its purpose. But meanwhile, we really do pray this morning that through this pandemic, you will drive the Christians back to their prayer meetings and to their Bibles. We pray that you'll once again motivate the ministers to preach repentance in the pulpit and that, Lord, that you will be pleased to sweep through this nation of ours with a mighty revival. So, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we just pray for a few moments today that you will speak to us through your precious, inspired, infallible word. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. 
The Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem on this particular day was prophesied by Zechariah 500 years earlier. And it is recorded in his book in chapter 9 and verse 9. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal the, the of an ass. Up until now, Jesus had always told the disciples to say nothing about his identity. Often when he healed people, he told them to keep quiet about what had happened to them. But now there is a change here in the Lord's strategy. On this day, Jesus begins to draw attention to himself because he is about to fulfill Zechariah's prophecy and to present himself to the nation of Israel as their king. The Roman army's triumphal entry into a city was for the purpose of boasting of their victories in battle. It was an occasion to show off their prisoners and exhibit their trophies of war. But the Lord's triumphal entry was different this day. This would be a victory of love over hatred, truth over error and life over death. The kings of the earth come to bring destruction and devastation. But this king of heaven, he comes to bring peace to all. And friend, he comes to bring peace to you this morning. On this day, the people visiting Jerusalem did indeed rejoice. They made him a carpet with their coats to honour him as their king. They cut the branches from the trees as a symbol of their joy. This is why today, the Sunday before the crucifixion and the resurrection is traditionally known as Palm Sunday. However, the religious leaders rejected him as their king. And within a week, we know that they had him crucified and nailed to a tree. Jesus chose to use a little donkey to make his grand entrance into the capital city of Israel, where the temple of God was located. He could have been carried in on the shoulders of his disciples. He could have rode in on a chariot. He could have mounted a magnificent steed and galloped in like the conquering hero that he was. But no, instead he chose to hitch a ride on the back of a colt, the foal of a donkey, and so fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. To us, donkeys are just insignificant animals. Perhaps nice to look at, but no longer of any use any longer. But Jesus wanted this little donkey. He needed this little donkey. And that day he chose to use the little donkey. Jesus still wants and needs and uses and chooses little donkeys today. After all, he has been pleased to use me this morning. Thank God he doesn't reject the donkeys. And no matter how insignificant you feel that you are this morning, God wants you and friend God needs you. He could use the army of millions of angels on standby that are in heaven at this moment to fulfill his his purpose here on earth. But instead he uses and chooses people like you and me. You see, there is no one insignificant to God. All we hear about on the news today is numbers and statistics. The numbers of new coronavirus cases in England, the number of deaths in Spain and so on. Well, friend, You are more than a number to God. You're a very special individual and he wants you and he needs you. If you're not saved today, then friend, know this. God is choosing you. He wants to save you and he wants to use you and he's a job for you that only you can do. At the start of this chapter, Jesus is making preparations to go into Jerusalem. He's on the Mount of Olives here with his breathtaking views over that beautiful holy city. And he is close also to two other villages, Bethphage, which means house of figs, and Bethany, which means house of dates. 
This was Passover week. Normally, Jerusalem would have had around 80,000 permanent residents, but because of all the extra pilgrims and visitors here in the city, there could have been as many as two to three million people crammed into these narrow city streets. Then Jesus sends two of his disciples to one of the villages here to get this little donkey. He tells them what they will find and what they are to do and what they should say if they're challenged. And this is exactly what happens. But how did Jesus know all of this? Well, this happened simply because Jesus Christ is God, nothing more, nothing less. He is sovereign and he is in complete control over all things. And, you know, folks, that should be a great encouragement to us all today especially as we begin to enter the eye of the storm regarding COVID-19. We need to keep praying for our families, keep trusting in the Saviour, because nothing will happen outside of God's perfect will. We are told, or we are not told, which of the two disciples he chose to go in to get the donkey that day. And, you know, I was thinking maybe they started to complain. Maybe they weren't a bit happy being sent to fetch a stupid donkey. And maybe they would have said something like, why is it always us he chooses to do the dirty work? How embarrassing it is to be sent on an errand just to fetch a, a, a donkey. Only a few weeks ago, he sent us out in twos to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, the dead and to cast out demons. And now he's telling us to do this. They maybe thought they were being demoted. But you know, friend, we should always count it a great privilege to be allowed to serve God no matter what he asks us to do. They didn't realise they were being used to fulfil prophecy. And they certainly didn't understand that 2,000 years later, people would be reading about what they did for the Lord that day. Christian, we have been saved to serve. And no matter what you do for the Lord, whether you share your testimony at work, or you take your stand against fierce opposition. Or maybe even this afternoon you lift you lift the phone to encourage someone who is self-isolating or, or lonely. I want you to know, friend, you are doing the Lord's work. And that could change the destiny of a soul, not just for 2,000 years, but for the rest of eternity. Jesus instructed the disciples to say, the Lord hath need of him. Imagine the Lord being need of anything. And yet that is what it meant for God to become man. Paul said, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He was rich, but he became poor. He owned everything, and yet he possessed nothing. He created the stars, and yet he knew where even to lay his head. He made everything out of nothing, and yet he had to borrow a boat to preach the gospel. He filled the rivers with water, and yet on the cross he cried, I thirst. Created every rock, but he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Jesus declares himself as Lord here. He was Lord then, and friend, he is Lord today, whether you acknowledge it or not, or whether you believe it or not. Paul said, one day at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Friend, if you're not saved today, there is coming a day when you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there is coming a day when you must admit that Jesus was always right and you were always wrong. So wouldn't it be better to come to the Lord today before it is too late? Acknowledge your sinfulness and your utter depravity before a holy God. Repent of your sin and embrace him as your Lord and Saviour. 
Friends, there are a number of lessons that we can learn from the day that the disciples were sent here to fetch this little donkey. First of all, we see that the donkey had to be purchased. Way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. You see, according to the word of God, that little donkey was alive and useful to the Lord because it had been purchased, or in fact redeemed, by the blood of a lamb. And the same could be said about us today. That is the only reason why we are of any use to the Lord today. God's people have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says before we were converted, we were dead in trespasses and sins. So if you're not saved this morning, it means that you're still dead in your trespasses and sins. No more proof is needed about your utter hopelessness without Christ. No, no, no stronger language could be used to explain your standing before God. Friend, God wants you to know this morning that you are still spiritually dead. A corpse hears nothing, sees nothing, feels nothing. In your sin, you cannot see the beauty of a loving relationship with God. You cannot hear the call of God. You're unaffected by the dying love of the Savior. And you have simply no interest in eternal realities. You may be alive to the things of this world, but totally dead to the things of the world to come. Oh, you may be active, but so too is an animal with no soul. You have life, you have energy, and there is movement. No doubt you have plans for tomorrow. Maybe you plan to, I don't know, cut the lawn or, or, or paint the fence. And no doubt you have dreams and ambitions of what you intend to do after COVID-19 has finally passed. But in regard to the security of your soul, all is dead. A corpse can do nothing to save itself. It took the Lord to raise Lazarus from the dead. It took the Lord to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And friend, only the Lord can raise you from your spiritual death. In your sinful state, you're an enemy of God and you're engrossed in the lusts of the flesh. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, "Year of your father the devil and the lusts of your father ye will do. In your unrepentant state, you're under the condemnation of God at this moment. Jesus says, he that believeth not, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You're condemned already. Do you understand that, sir? Your place in hell is already reserved. You need to be saved. To have everlasting life is to possess eternal salvation. You must be rescued from the battlefields of sin. Life begins and your first breath of eternal life is inhaled the moment you are born again. But if you reject the new birth, you will never know what it is like to be truly happy. You will never know what it is like to be a resident of heaven. You will never know what it is like to walk the streets of gold in the new Jerusalem. If you refuse the redemption plan of God, then you're under the wrath of God right now. Without Christ, you cannot escape it. You cannot ignore it and you cannot simply wish it away. Just as the police come in search of a thief or a murderer or a rapist, so too will the angels be sent forth to sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. If you will not believe, then you must go out just as you are, unpitied, unmoved, unwanted, to suffer the eternal wrath of God and take the punishment which God the righteous judge deems necessary and appropriate for your sin 
and your rejection of his son. Such a miserable state to be in, and yet millions remain unconverted, unmoved and unconcerned, choosing rather to endure the terrible wrath of Almighty God rather than come to Jesus, who has borne their sins in his own body on a tree and who is willing to bless them with peace and purity and parity. In our natural state, we are fit for nothing more than the fires of hell. In fact, the psalmist said, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. In our sinful state, we can be of no use to God. Our righteousnesses are nothing more than filthy rags. And they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That is why God finds every poor wandering soul today. We are all like sheep who have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But friend, the gospel declares that this is not the way it has to be. You see, there is an alternative way. This is how God finds a sinner, but it is not the way that God wants to leave the sinner. God will do a miracle in any broken life when we decide to give him all the shattered pieces. His desire is for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And when he saves us, he changes us. My dear sinner friend, Christ will give you a new life, an abundant life, an everlasting life, and a heavenly life if you come to him. Last year, I was giving out tracts at Murrayfield Rugby Stadium in Edinburgh. It was the Six Nations game between Scotland and Wales. And on the front cover of that tract, it simply read, Jesus the Saviour. One elderly gentleman out of the many thousands that walked past me that day, he took the time to come back to me and he said to me, he's my Saviour too. He's my Saviour too. Then my Lord can be your Lord. And my Saviour wants to be your saviour too. When we make him our saviour, we are delivered completely from the penalty of sin. Paul says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That cult could only be available to the Lord because it was redeemed. And this is the only way that we can be of any use to the Lord today. We must be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redemption is not something that happens when you turn over a new life or you decide to come to church more often or you start to take communion or you start to be maybe even begin to read your Bible. In fact, the Lord told Nicodemus, that very religious Jew, that he needed the new birth, he needed a new life, and he needed to be born again. Salvation comes to your soul when you're convicted of your sin and you deal with that conviction by turning from your sin to the Saviour from all sin. I wonder, friend, Have you turned to the Saviour yet? Have you been redeemed, purchased by the blood of the Lamb? Also, we see that that little donkey had to be released. Jesus told the disciples as soon as they entered the village, they would find the coat tied up. They were then to untie him and bring him back to the Lord. The donkey was bound and needed to be set free before the Lord could use it, you see. Every sinner is just like that little donkey and before we can be of any use to God, the chains of our sin must be broken and we must be set free. Sinners are slaves to sin. They are the children of the devil. They fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind and they perform the will of Satan and not the will of God. We cannot serve him. We cannot live for him. We are useless to him so long as we remain tied to our sin and therefore we need to be set free. Dear sinner, whatever your particular sin is today, Christ 
can set you free. He can set you free from the drink. He can set you free from the drugs. And he can set you free from the pornography. In Christ, you see, there is liberty. In Christ, there is a complete deliverance from the bondage of whatever sin you are involved in or hooked on today. He replaces all the bad stuff with all the good stuff. And he makes us new creatures. Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He moves in and he takes up residence in our hearts. He gives us the desire to follow him and to serve him. He gives us freedom from sin and the grace to resist the temptations of the devil. Jesus says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The reality of a soul saved is remarkable. When you have an impact with God, there is a significant and a permanent change in your life. And when you witness a sinner being set free, that really is something special. And friend, if that has happened to you, then you must never cease to praise him. But if your life has never been changed, then you need to be saved. If you really know Christ as your saviour, there will be the evidence of a changed life. Jesus says, wherefore by their fruits, ye shall know them. Jesus tells the disciples in verse 3, to tell the owners of the donkey that as soon as he was finished with the colt, he would return it immediately. When the donkey was returned, it was left back in a far better condition than when it was borrowed. When they took the donkey, it was untrained. It was unbroken. The Old Testament stated that an animal that was being kept for a sacred purpose must not have been put to common use before that purpose. So no man had ever sat on its back. But when Jesus was finished with it and returned it to his owner, it was as if it was a completely different donkey. And friend, that's what the Lord does to a wretched, hell-deserving sinner. He takes what we give him with all of our problems. He does a miracle in our lives. And when he gives us back to our families, we are in a far better condition than ever before. Husbands get new wives. Wives get new husbands. Children get new parents. Abram was a lost pagan, but he became a mighty man of faith. Moses was a shepherd in the wilderness but he became the leader of the world's greatest escape. Saul, he was a persecutor of the gospel, but God made him into a great preacher of the gospel. Simon Peter was a fearful fisherman who turned his back on Jesus, but God turned him into a rock hard as granite and a fearless winner of souls. Friend, if you give your life to Christ, if you give him your broken sinful life today, he will do a miracle. The miracle of the new birth. And he will give you a new start. A new life. And a new home in heaven. Thirdly and finally we see that that little donkey had to be controlled. The donkey was wild yet it submitted to the Lord's control. It wasn't frightened of the crowds or the pushing or the shoving or the singing or the shouting. It simply surrendered to the Lord's will. It had never been broken. But Jesus was riding on it. And that in itself was a miracle. You see, Jesus has dominion over all of his creation. You'll remember they shut the mouths of the lions for Daniel. He ordered the fish, that great fish, to vomit up Jonah on dry land. And here he was sitting on an unbroken donkey. That day the Lord rode into Jerusalem. The people, they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna 
in the highest. Hosanna means save, we pray, or save us now. What did Zachariah's prophecy say again? What did he say 500 years before? He said, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. King Jesus came into Jerusalem that day, bringing salvation to all who would call upon his name. The people recognized that and they cried, Hosanna, Lord, save us now. In the middle of a highly contagious, life-threatening worldwide pandemic, which certainly does not respect the borders of countries or even the ages of people, then will you not call upon the name of the Lord today? Will you not join with the disciples who cried in the midst of that storm on the Sea of Galilee, Lord, save us, we perish? When Zechariah wrote his prophecy, he wanted Israel to be ready. He said, thy king cometh unto thee. When he did come into the city that day, despite the singing, despite the cheering, many were unprepared for his coming. Oh, a few did receive him. But as a whole, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people rejected their king. They turned their backs on him and, and they, they crucified him. Friend, I want to remind you that the king is coming back, you know. Are you prepared for his coming? In fact, the king has come into your home this morning. He is here to receive repentant sinners. He is here to restore those who have fallen away. He is here to refresh the weary and the discouraged. He is here to revive those who are thirsting for more. And he is here to remind us all today that there is a life beyond the grave. Keep praying, keep serving, keep focused. He that endureth unto the end shall be saved. Yes, there is a hell for the unrepentant sinner, but there is a heaven for the whosoever that calleth upon the name of the Lord. Whatever your need is today, he is here for you because we all have needs and we all need the Saviour. The question is, what will you do with your king? Verse 11 says, Jesus went into the temple and had a, he had a good look around him. And no doubt he saw people going through the rituals of religion and, and many people were ignorant here of his presence. I wonder what Jesus sees when he looks into your life today. Does he see you as someone who is genuinely concerned for your soul? Or does he see you as someone just going through the motions today? Does he see you worshipping him and praising him and spending time in his word and in prayer? Or does he see you just caught up in the ritual, rituals of a religion? What does he see going on in your heart? Does he see a heart in love with him? Or does he see a heart that's very far from him today? Does he see a person who is hurting? A person who is anxious? A person who is depressed? Does he see a person who was abused last night? Or does he even see a person who was the abuser last night? Does he see a person who is suicidal? Does he see a person who is deep in thought, perhaps, about eternal things? Has this virus got you thinking about the return of the Lord? And how Jesus taught us in Matthew 24 that there would be wars and earthquakes and famines and indeed pestilences just before he returns to the earth. There's only one answer to it all today. And it's not your religion. It is Christ. And you need him now. Will you be like the Jews in Jerusalem that day that embraced him as Lord and cried, Lord, save us now? 
Or will you be like the other Jews that just a few days later would cry, away with him, away with him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Friend, look again at Jesus here riding into Jerusalem. Look at the crowd singing and throwing palm branches on the ground. Perhaps Bartimaeus is in the crowd there, the blind man that Jesus healed. Perhaps Jairus is there, the man whose daughter he raised from the dead. Perhaps he's in the crowd. And you might not see him, but perhaps Zacchaeus, that little tax collector he saved in Jericho, perhaps he's somewhere in the crowd as well. But tell me, friend, are you in this special group of people? Are you in the crowd that's crying, Lord, save us now? This Easter, or this year rather, Easter has been cancelled. Will not even be allowed to take a walk up the mountains. In fact, we have a choice of spending Easter in the living room or the back garden. That's as far as we're going to get this year. But we can all thank God that the first Easter wasn't cancelled. Thankfully, Jesus did go to the cross. He did take our punishment and he did die in our place. Thankfully, Jesus paid it all. It is finished. The work to achieve our salvation has been completed. And now we all have all we have to do this morning is come. Because of the first Easter, we really do have a choice to make. So will we choose the Saviour? Or will we choose to remain in our sin? Will we choose heaven? Or will we choose to remain in the broad way that leads to destruction? Wonderful, merciful Saviour, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Friend, he wants to rescue you this morning. And all you have to do is come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you're a long-suffering God. But as this pandemic reminds us, eventually your patience and your long-suffering runs out. Father, we pray if there's any listening this morning and they're still not right with thee, that they will finally put their house in order today, that they'll repent of their sin and trust in the Saviour. If there's any Christians listening this morning, Lord, and they're, they're far from you and they're cold of heart, Lord, we pray that today they'll come back to you and we dedicate their lives to their Lord and their God. Father, we pray again for your protection upon us as we enter this this week before Easter. We pray that you'll protect our homes, protect our loved ones, cover us in the blood. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Friends, thank you for listening this morning. Please stay safe and may the Lord bless you all.